So welcome to another episode of The Crux of It, a York City fans podcast recording in association with York Hospital Radio. Tonight's panel, we've got uh, Jim Calverley from the Supporters Trust. We've got Mark Debenham and uh, Ben Robinson. Paul and Chris are unavailable tonight, so I'm having to take over presenting duty. So apologies in advance for that. And I thought we'd start off with the topic of conversation. So unless you're a York City fan who's been living under a rock, you'll be aware of the kind of uh, the current crisis with the Supporters Trust unable to find a buyer to take over the club from Glenn Henderson but also having to use funds to pay the staff after Glenn didn't provide the money. He has since released a statement today, earlier today. So we're recording this on the 2nd of April at uh, 8 o'clock. And uh, I'll read the statement out in full because it's quite short. So after the public statement made by York City Supporters Trust in the media and on radio on Friday the 31st of March, I would like to put the minds of all York City FC fans at rest. Please be assured that I fully intend to financially support the football club if the supporters trusts are unable to secure a buyer by midnight on Tuesday, the 4th of April, 2023. Moving forward, my shares in the club will remain up for sale, hoping to secure the most suitable buyer for the football club. In the meantime, I hope everyone can get behind Mikey and the team throughout the running. So it seems only right that we'll start with Jim and come to you first. Uh, First of all, sort of your reaction to that and kind of any updates you, you could give supporters, Jim. Uh, well, reaction is, um, you know, first of all, positive, isn't it, for for staff and players um, in in terms of funding the club. Um, I think whatever's said tonight or on social media, we have to remember that when when things like we're not going to get paid, get get knocked around as people at the end of that, and that's uncomfortable. So the fact that he's going to fund it is good. Um, the fact that his shares are up for sale is positive. That that's, that's public. Um, there's still a, a position for the trust in that. Um, I think you know we we didn't do a, a formal reply by statement, but we'll be excited to to speak to the um, any potential new owners. Um, that is that there are protections and still still in place, still in play. That means the trust will still be involved in part of those process, that process. Um, so yeah, that, that's my reaction really. I mean, if I've learned anything in the last eighteen months, it's uh, read his statement on the face of it, and then and then wait to see what happens. But um, yeah, well, you know, it, it is a positive statement for, for all involved in the all involved in the football. I think. And I presume there's no, there's no updates on kind of any last minute takeover bids as as of yet. No, I mean we continue. You know, people can we continue to work hard in the background. Um, we're working, still working with people who have who have been interested and who are interested, but. Um, you know, we've, you know, two working days now. It's a real challenge to to get anybody new. I think that that would be a real long shot. Um, but that's not to say that that there isn't things. But uh, the position on Friday that, that was issued as an official statement is still the kind of general position. And and just just kind of spell out for us what what how the landscape will change then on on April the fourth should there not be a, a takeover then which is obviously likely from from what you said there uh, yeah so I mean in part I think Alistair touched on it on the on the call on radio radio York like it, it, to some extent it won't really change much at all and um, you know Glenn still currently is chairman and majority shareholder and he will continue to be that. Um, the, uh, the difference is that um, Glenn's now uh, open to go and, go and seek buyers, so he can he can sell his fifty one percent. He there's, there's still protections in that. So for example, he can't sell it for anything less than he, sell, he offered it to us. So he has to sell fifty one percent at the six fifty that 
that that we got um, that we were offered. If it does does go any lower, you see, we we would have the opportunity to buy at that price. So um, it, it doesn't really change in terms of the day to day running. Nobody's going to see differences um, in terms of what is happening. Um, however, it's just really the behind the scenes of, in terms of how the ownership will change. That is where the differences are in the playing get an opportunity to sell the club down. And, and and with with sort of Glenn, is I mean, obviously there's been a, a massive fallout between the Sports Trust and Glenn, and and the Sports Trust were the ones that brought Glenn in. Is is that relationship completely irreparable in terms of working together to find a buyer? To you know, at, at what point did that did that sort of break down for you personally? Um. So I mean, in terms of finding a buyer. It's Glenn's opportunity to now go and go and find one from the fourth of April. There are still things in play that mean that uh, we are able to have an input. Technically, we have to the, the trust board has to approve any um, exchange of shares. Now we can't refuse it, refuse an exchange without good reason. But if he came up and went, "Oh, I'm going to sell it to," I don't know. Ken Glenderson, um, you know, we'd be able to say no, right? It's going to be the, if it's the same person. So there's kind of there are some protections still in play. Um, in terms of my, in terms of the relationship breakdown, look, you know, anyone that's dealt with Glenn personally will find a, a guy who is a relatively personable person. He's not, you know, it's not like he's. You walk in and have a conversation with him, and he's an absolute nightmare. But I think if you look at it between supporters, just and him, the ASCII sacking was was obviously a bit of a nightmare, and and I don't think anybody handled the pressure of of what followed after that very well, and that's when it really fell apart. Um, I think the things that have gone on, I'm privy to some of it. I'm not privy to others because it's it's football club board stuff, but the reports that we get back of the trust board mean that it would be, you know, we're never not going to work with someone, but it would be difficult to work with. It would be very difficult to work with Glenn and have faith of what's going on. Yeah, and, and you know, I appreciate your honesty with that. And, and, and it's it sort of raised a lot of questions, doesn't it, in, in sort of well, recent days, recent months, even, even kind of last year, um, before that Glenn came in sort of in terms of the, the supporters trust being fit for purpose really and I, I kind of you know for, from for listeners listening you know I, I don't know Mike Brown at all I, and obviously know you Jim uh, fairly well I know Alistair Smith through, through interviewing him for the podcast and I know that you've both worked tirelessly really over the, over the last you know 18 months I, I would say and with, with various different things and, and your intentions are obviously you know pr- with York City's best best kind of um, thoughts going forward, you know, I think I think that, that that's clear to see. But but is it, you know, you, you're there to provide a voice for the supporters. Yet the numbers remain quite low at kind of AGMs and stuff like that. And and I, and I think that um, Ben will probably touch on this about kind of people's ability to kind of vote when they're not in York or can't be there in person. Um, it kind of feels like whatever the future is, it, does the supporters trust need? You know, rebranding does it does it need kind of changing because it, it feels like there's there's almost a, a, a kind of the supporters have got that supports trust there as their voice but are not, are not using it. Do you know what I mean? And and kind of I'll get your response on that and then I'll start asking kind of um, you know Ben and Ben and Devo's opinion on that as well. 
Yeah, I think so. So my view on it is my view on that kind of stuff is that um, engagement with the supporters trust has been poor for years. That's not a new thing. That's not new since I started. In fact, it was one of the biggest feelings that, that you know, it, it was almost one of the reasons I got involved. And um, if we go back to the beginning of last season, nobody wanted, seemingly nobody wanted McGill bar the occasional crony, right? Back at the beginning of last season. But there was four options as York fans. So you had the option of you did nothing. You went to stadium and you chanted a bit. You had two different protest groups and then you had the trust. And the, I think looking back, the majority of York fans picked the two protest groups if they were going to do anything. And the trust has to ask itself, why, why did that happen? Because actually, we've had our protest moment. We've had all of that, you know, getting fans right, getting, a, getting all of that stuff. And that's why the protest just exists. Now, as a fan base, we have to ask ourselves, well, well where's that all gone wrong? Where's that gone wrong that has become a disconnect between trust and fans? And I'm not going to sit here and deny it. It's pretty obvious if you... Well, if you if you walk into a game with me, whereas Ben does occasionally, people will kind of go, well, what are you doing? And this, that kind of stuff. It's pretty obvious that there's a disconnect there. And I, I had lots of ideas to work on that when I first joined the trust board. And I've still got ideas. At the moment, obviously, there's a lot more going on that, that kind of address some of that stuff. It's difficult to go and address that now when there's so much emotion around the club and the trust. But it's got to be looked at, and we've got to look at a how the trust is, how the trust is modernised. You know, like like we say, I'm sure Ben's going to raise it, but you know, the, the trust should be doing things online, but it's not, and it's not a case of we don't want it. It's not that like I don't want to. It's that the trust rules are, are still created when the trust was created. So it is comment there are things in there about meetings must be held in person it's not like we can't work around that and and getting around those things become very difficult we have to get around them we have to get on to moving the trust forward and um, but we've got to look at how at how we do that how we move it forward with fans because ultimately like I, and i keep going back to this in my head like i've seen all of this chat about you know sell 100 percent of the club phoenix club it voice the fans all this sort of stuff people are fighting the club for that and they sh if they want it come and fight the sports trust and, and, and do get involved in the sports and I know that's the, the cliche thing but it, we've got those ranks we've got all of the ranks that people want at their football club and that, that so many fans up and down the country fight for at their football club we've got it and as a fan base and I include myself in this entirely we've neglected it since that vote that McGill put us on to sell him 100%. I mean, when was, you know, when was the last time we really heard of any fans other than the ones that are involved now getting involved in the trust between now and then? There's, as a fan base, and I'll say, I include, totally include myself in this, we've, we've, we really have kind of forgotten about our rights, I think. We forgot about them and we didn't really look after the trust in the in the way we've done it. And, that, and that's the product that we've got. We've got. So that's the trust that we've got now. And the beauty of it is, that I think, and this is that really the crux of what the, the fan base have to decide, is do they not want those rights? Or do they just not want the people that are doing it in a minute? And that's really the conversation they should absolutely be having, not let's get rid of the trust 
Well, first, you need to decide whether you actually want to get rid of the rights that you've got as York fans. That's my view, anyway. Uh, and whilst all this goes on, it, it feels to me like, you know, it's coming at a critical time now. And I'll, I'll bring Ben in here. But, but you know, if, if you know, these decisions and to modernise the trust, it might be too late by the time all this kind of happens. I, I feel like that it's such a critical state. I, I can't believe York City are at this point in time, but after the euphoria of, of the playoff win last summer to now being like, I, I personally feel like, you know, this could go one of two ways, can't it? And and it could be the end of York City if, if things are, you know, if players aren't going to get paid and, you know, the sports trust reserves won't be able to last forever. And um, Ben, what, what do you think will bring you in at this point? Yeah, it's a, a mess at the minute, isn't it? I think Jim has kind of made, really good points there to be honest and you know from someone who is on the sports trust board um you know i think he's it's very honest and what he said um you know he's been quite self-critical you know sports trust have had little wins this year they've done small little things like the buses they've sorted out and things like that and i do believe that there is a place for the supporters trust in york personally but i think as jim has said it, it needs modernizing in some way and i am concerned it's a bit too little too late for it um, you know, the, the time was back when they took charge last year, almost got that 49%. Hopefully should have worked well with Glenn, but in, in a second, it just all went after Askey got sacked. And it seemed like the supporters' trust, although they might not have had much of a say, because there's a very different level of supporters' trust and those supporters' trust members who were on the board, um, those board members almost, I would say, didn't vote in the interests of the York City fan base. I might not know all the ins and outs, and I pretty much sure I don't. However, it it just felt like that that trust was betrayed almost already. And I think for a lot of fans, from that point onwards, they automatically didn't see the point in the sports trust anymore. And I think as you know, I'm guilty of it. I don't get involved with the sports trust as much as I should. I pay my membership, um, but things like you know the AGM it's quite easy to say, I'll oh, vote people off then or vote for the people you don't want. Well, I was unable to attend that AGM uh, because I had a meeting. And I know there was people all over the world that, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being a global fan base, even though it's a small one. How are those people meant to vote and make that change if they can't necessarily be there in person? And I know you could vote by a proxy, but was it something like only 40 people turned up? So unless you knew one of those 40 people, then I think you were pretty scuppered and I just think I appreciate there's been a lot going on this year and I'm sure Mike Brown and Alistair as well as all the other sports trust members uh, board members have been working hard you look at what's it for almost because at the end now you know all these rumours of what could be and what couldn't be we just wanted a nice normal 12th place finish this season and it's been overshadowed yet again Um, and I think uh, But I think Jim makes a valid point of, are we wanting rid of the rights? Are we wanting rid of the supporters' trust itself? Or are we perhaps, as a fan base, um, questioning the people that are on it? And I think he he raises a really valid point there. I mean, I I want a 12th place place finish every season, to be fair, Ben. I think it's far less stressful when when that occurs. I mean, I've seen as well people sort of saying that you know, they lost more trust with the supporters' trust um, because of, you know, oh, you appointed Glenn Henderson. Why would we make you in, you know, why do we trust you to make the right appointment for the next person coming in? 
Um, I'll bring you in here, Deb. Is, is that a bit unfair? I almost sort of think try related to my own industry where I work, and I think well, you can appoint people who who sound really good at interview. You can you can even be in a relationship with someone that that you start off and, they, and you think oh, but this person may turn out to be someone else. I mean that that's you know massively unlucky for York City. But is that not just what's happened here? That you know I'm sure Glenn. Like Jim says, I've I've met Glenn once, very personable. You know, I wouldn't have thought that what would have happened in the future has happened. And I think a few people have met Glenn and, and thought that as well. What, what's your take on it, Debo? Well, I, I think the proof's in the pudding over 20 years. The Spartans Trust uh, first came into being in 2002, I think, um, given the situation that was uh, created by uh, the chairman at the time. I think there's some things for people to consider here. And I think they're really important things because what they show is a repeating pattern. So, and I may be wrong in certain things that I say here. Um, I might be wrong. I don't think I am. Um, so obviously with, um, uh, back in 2002 when the trust came into formation to save the football club, the chairman at the time, which I can't remember his name, which I'm sure lots of people will be remembering. I just can't, um, can't remember his name. John Bachelor? No, before Bachelor. Douglas Craig. Douglas Craig. And obviously, what Douglas Craig put the club in, and that's what the Sparks Trust was formed off. Um, so the Sparks Trust comes in and saves the football club. He then, in 2003, he puts John Bachelor in charge of the football club. And in the same year, saves it from the same man that they put in charge of this football club. They then put Chris Brass in charge as player manager of the football club. The most important position in the club is the manager of the football club. And they put Chris Brass, a 27-year-old, in charge, who never managed in his life. And we know what happened that, that season. They made that decision. Mike Brown made that decision. They then put Jason McGill in charge of the football club and came to the rescue so many years later from Jason McGill. They made that decision. They put him in charge of the football club. They then put Glenn Henderson in charge of the football club. And they are now coming to the rescue of a decision that they made. They also sacked John Askey and agreed with that decision and publicly agreed it. Because as they said, and as Mike Brown said, publicly, it was in the best interests of York City Football Club wasn't. And what this what this shows and what the Sports Trust have shown for 20 years is that they continue to make horrendous decisions for this football club. And it's like the statement this week, and I'm not being funny, Jim. I'm not having to go at you personally because you're relatively new to it. I'm more at Mike Brown. I mean, Mike Brown is... St- Mike Brown needs to step away from his position. Uh, once again, the statement, it, 
well, the, the Spartans Trust have they've, they've dug into the funds and they've bailed the club out. You put you were part of putting Henderson in charge of this fucking football club. Like, not you, Jim, the Spartans Trust. It, it is just the repeating pattern here is that the Spartans Trust who are here for the football club, continue to make horrendous decisions. And I always said this about McGill. I remember when McGill, back in the season when we got relegated from National League, and we had that night where we had to go. Uh, well, we did have to go, but we had night. Mills had just took over. And we had this night at the club. And McGill talked about that night, about how he was a fan of the club, how he didn't. He didn't mean to make bad decisions. Bad decisions are made. He still cared about the club. But the point is, is when you keep making bad decisions and they are common over a long period of time, that's when questions have to be asked of people that are making the decisions. And if you can't improve on that, then you're not fit for what you're doing. And this apartment's trust has shown itself over the last 20 years to be not fit to make the right decisions for this football club. And whether or not we want to talk about, like, well, let's just put it this way. Mike Brown needs to step down his position. He's, he's proven himself to make horrendous decisions that always put this club, always at the detriment of this football club. And I don't know him, and I've said this to people that I know. I, I don't know Mike Brown. I think he knows people who I know. I don't know him as a person. He might be the nicest guy in the world. I, I don't know. I'm not knocking him as a human being. I don't I don't know him. But in terms of his position as this part of trust, he needs to step down. And as for this part of trust, how... The lack of confidence in it is, is just obvious because of these repeating cycles. So, it, I mean, it's obvious to say we obviously need an ownership of people that are invested in the continuity of the football club and the success of the football club. I I personally don't, don't want anything to do with the, with the Sports Trust because... It just continues to show itself as detrimental to this football club, in my opinion. And um, and as I'm sure as you can tell, I'm just I'm just absolutely raving. And it's like, you know, we've we had all these offers coming in. I don't know what these offers are. I don't know the ins and outs. But again, the statement reads that people are pulling out of the eleventh hour. Why are they pulling out of the eleventh hour? Like. You, you can't just tell me and expect us all to believe that, like, there's a commonality in them pulling out that is just because they're just going to pull out. And, Jim, again, I'm not having a go personally, but that commonality is incredibly worrying. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that... I think that the questions around the Sparks Trust... Uh, are absolutely just, and um, yeah, it's it, it's incredibly frustrating. And um, 
yeah, I, I, I say for me, Mike Brown more than anyone needs to needs to step down. He's 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 proven over twenty years that his decisions aren't good enough, and he might be a great guy. I don't know him. Just, I'm not just, as a human just being. to play, um, just to play devil's advocate a bit, Deborah. You know, you're obviously we all know how passionate you are about about York City. Have Have you never considered trying to get involved? In, in them, you know, because it is, and I get your point, Dan. Yeah. So, two reasons one, the, the job I do, you know, I'm not going to go into what I do as a job, um, it's not, you know, it's no one's business and it's not, it's not relative to York City. Not my, I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't offer anything based on when I leave my job, I need to come home and I need to relax, so I couldn't offer it on that basis. But number two, also, I won't have the, I, I'll tell you what I will not have is that people in motorsports are martyrs to this football club. Like, people are involved because they want to be involved. So, you know, I certainly, I, I will not have that in terms of, oh, well, why don't you do a better job? People on this board are on there because they want to be there, right? They're not there because they don't want to be. And like I said, I, I couldn't offer anything. And I don't have to, have to offer anything. I do my job. Which you know, like I say, it's not—it's no one's business what my job is and who I work for. It's you know, it's not important to this, but yeah, I, I, no, I will—I will accept martyrdom and I will accept the idea that that that, that I should get involved. You you you, you have to if you're going to put yourself in a position of of um, whether you're on spots trust whatever you whatever your job may be whatever you're doing, you, you have to, you have to be. You have to be confident in yourself to do that role as well, and you have to be confident in yourself in terms of the rights and wrongs and what might go wrong. So, no, I I don't accept that um, in terms of what you're saying. I know what you're getting at, but um, no, I am. Um, I'm just I'm just raising the question. What I'm pointing out is is that the, the sports trust over the last twenty years, its decisions have always been to the detriment of this football club. Always. Like they've always put these people in charge, and these people have always been horrendous. Like John, and then here's the thing: John Astley figured out fucking Henderson in four seconds and told him where to go. We had four years. Sports just had four years to figure him out, and they didn't. So I think my frustrations and my anguish uh, are, are very much just, very much just. If I'm being honest. So, yeah, I would just like to, to jump in. So I think I, I actually agree with, with bits of what Deborah said. That I think the, the argument around, oh, why don't you get, why don't you get involved? I, I completely agree. That is such a, such a, it's a lazy argument to make, really. Um, I think when I talk about engagement, it's, it, it, the trust should never be in a position where someone like Deborah doesn't want to support it. Right, supporters trust not not just ours, supporters trust across the country. Right, have to walk a fine line between uh, being a trust, i.e., being um, resp- have responsibilities to the their football club, and being a supporters club. There is a fine line that supporters trust have to match line that, and I don't think I don't I don't think the trust is on that right line. It's way too into being seen as something that runs a football club and not seen as being something that walks that fine line. So I, I don't disagree with that. And, and, and you know, I think um, saying, oh, you know, you come and do a better job, to me, that's the lazy argument. What we've got to work out is why don't people 
why why is it when we have a crisis and and however that crisis comes about why is it when we have a crisis is it that people turn away from the supports trust and how do we turn that around and and you know there is always going to be those those historic kind of devil's listed them off there better than i could have done um but that if if it's going to survive if we're going to maintain those rights because i think that is the challenge i would put back to Deborah is you know the alternative for the ownership of the football club is that, is that there's no fans in the room at all um, and there's no, you know, protections at all. Um, getting it, you know, I, I understand we get it wrong, but if there's nothing in place in the first place, you're at a whim of whatever private ownership it has. Um, and you know, my view is private ownership in football is a bit of a nightmare, but I'm not naive to think that it it doesn't exist and it isn't needed. But I, I don't, you know, we've got there's so many bad stories in football of of fans just being cut out. Is how do what's the alternative there? Because I would hate, you know, the, the other side of this is, you know, if the trust sells 100 percent and we lose all of that, it would have to go to a member. Everybody would get. You have to go to a member vote, so it has to be members that have chosen it. But at that point, that's it then. So what if that person ends up being a bachelor or a Craig? You, you know, you haven't got anything to come back at. So I don't know what the solution is for for what we're discussing, but there is change to be made. Um, yeah, and, I, and <laughs> much to and now there you go. That'll be my challenge, I guess, is turning Debo's opinion around in, in my time <laughs> that remains on the sports just board. Well, I wish you good luck. Um, <laughs> I, I think kind of, um, you know, like you say there, you know, not having someone in the room and I, and I look at teams like Macclesfield, Bury, who've gone to the wall, haven't they? And and you, you sort of think when, when the likes of Bury are going bust and having to reform, you, you then think, well, if it can happen to them, it can happen to my club. Just to sort of move it forward a little bit, you know, so much turmoil off the pitch and to be fair, a fair amount of it on it as well. Um Last podcast we did, we were raising doubts about David Webb. That obviously turned out to be an absolute disaster. Uh, Mikey Morton's come in. We're in a relegation battle. Um, how big a battle is that, Ben, do you think, for the club to stay up? What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on the current situation? I noticed all the shot of today appointed Tommy, Tommy Widrinson as, as new manager, you know, hoping for a bit of a bounce effect. Dawkins have picked up. It's It's kind of... You know, everyone seemed to be a, a South End fan last night, didn't they? Um, I think the real issue you've got to look at, Dan, is um, why weren't we going for the North Riding Senior Cup originally? Like, you know, it's all well and good, like, trying to stay up. But if you're not going for your cups at the start of the season, you know, what's the point in the league? But since we are focusing on the relegation aspect, um, yeah, it's, it's going down to the wire isn't it? And I think what's playing into our hands a little bit is the teams around us and below us all have to kind of play each other still, which always means that somewhere inevitably they're going to have to drop points, at least one of those teams. And I think obviously Maidstone are now officially relegated, which is quite good. I mean, I think we all knew that was coming for a while. Um, and then you've got talking Scunthorpe, who Scunthorpe remind me so much of when we got relegated last time of you know, they had a bad start, you know, kept going further and further down. And then they got a couple of players, which just rejuvenated them a little bit. But it's, I don't think it's going to be enough for them. And I think with, I think we've got about five or six games to go now. 
I think it's just a little bit too much to ask for them to be consistently playoff form for the last few games and get them out. Um, and I think similarly with Yeovil, I think they've got Gateshead on Tuesday night. They finish up at the end of the season with Wrexham, so they've still got them to play, you know, which is quite good for us when we play Notts County on that final game. Um, so I think that Yeovil are looking likely, we you know, I say everyone was a South End fan last night, but they haven't shown us anything of Yeovil recently to say they could go on a bit of a run and get points. Dorking, where they come from with three wins on back-to-back, you know, what on earth has gone on there? And I do like Dorking as a club, but I don't want them to stay up a of us. A bit frustrating that they've won three fair play to them, but if they hadn't, they'd have been right down there and you'd probably be sort of thinking, yeah, I think we'll be okay. Um, so that kind of leaves their talkie, who I think might just be dropping. I think they've had a few kickbacks recently, like drawing against Gateshead will have knocked the confidence. I think I think twice they uh, in recent weeks have conceded in the last minutes or so to lose. Um, and they got a good win against Scunthorpe at the weekend, but could they do it? I think it's going to be crucial their game against us. I think that's that's the big one. When I look at our run, that's the one that I feel like if we win, we stay up. If we lose, we're getting dragged right into it. And as you finally said, the two that we haven't really touched on is Gateshead. I think they'll be okay, um, just because I think there's enough teams around them and they've got enough games in hand that they can just about get the points now. And I think it's always that thing into the got to Wembley. Will they all be like trying to show off and try and get places in that Wembley team, or will they come off the gas a little bit and think, Oh, I don't want to get injured for Wembley? So, who knows which way they'll go around? And all the shot seemed fine a few weeks ago and they got dragged into it. Who knows who else could get dragged into it? But I think, I think I could, you know, if we get two draws this week, um, I'd be quite content with, uh, and then that just leaves us, we've got to be two of Halifax, Aldershot and Torquay just to make it safe. But I think we've got enough in us only just to kind of get us enough points and get us through. I think we've been quite lucky in that when we had that spell on the web back in January where we were atrocious, that a lot of teams were also atrocious as well. We didn't really drop too, you know, despite all the losses we had, we somehow didn't drop down to the relegation places massively. So I feel like it's been a stinker of a season. It's been an embarrassment of a season. However, I think we will just have enough to get us through. Yeah, I, I concur with that. And I actually think the Notts County away game on the last day could actually help as well, just for the fact that, you know, they ain't catching Wrexham, I don't think, now. They'll be in the playoffs. I, I, I know what you're about to say, and you're about to say. You, you, you think they're going to be resting for playoffs. However... You've got to remember they'll have a week off. So are they really wanting to go two weeks without a win? You know, if they lose against us or draw against us, do you think they're really going to be thinking, oh, we've got a week off? Because they'll have that week off if they finish second. I think they're going to be right on it. I think they'll want to go into our game thrashing us, knowing for the playoffs in two weeks' time or a week's time, right, whoever comes for us, we are coming for you. Yeah, you could could be right. I I just think that compared to if they had to win to catch Wrexham, I think it would be better... Playing them if they have one one eye on the playoffs, you know, trying to trying to get themselves, you know, hopefully it won't even come down to that last game. I mean, Mikey Morton, Jim, um, been appointed to the end of the season. I mean, I must admit, I, I thought he was there to the end of the season anyway. I, I was a bit surprised at at the news from that perspective. Uh, right appointment for you. I mean, a few of these other teams are appointing other more experienced managers. Do you think he's the right call? Uh, 
think that's a heck of a question to give me. Um, the players clearly like him. Um, whether he's got enough, I think it, it always concerns me when when Mikey says he he doesn't have enough. Um, that that never makes me very happy. Um, I don't know really. I, I really don't know. I guess time will tell. Um, with whether it whether it pays off or not. I think with everything going on, I, I don't know who else would have come, um, given the circumstances. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'd like to think he can put a run of, run of games together. Um, he's got to get. We've got to get. We've got to take the take the opportunities where they are. There are there are plenty of opportunities in our running for us to get out of this. Mainly in that by beating some of them, we'll we'll, we'll potentially put them down and. Unfortunately, Scunthorpe was was one of those games uh, this week. Yeah, I mean, you know, is York lad in here? I think I think he's got a lot of kind of credit in the bank for some supporters, just for his sort of passion and you know the fact he was at, at Wembley in '93 as a as a young boy as well. You know, you know that he's got the the club at heart and everything. But Debo, I, I I read a comment. I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was social some some somewhere on social media. Someone saying about the team that. We have to try really, really hard to score a goal. The opposition teams don't have to try hard at all to score. And I thought that really summed up what I think about us at the minute. That that kind of we very rarely keep clean sheets. We opposition, you know, you can play. I think the Altrincham game on the Tuesday night. I think they had two or three shots the whole game, but still ended up winning. And, and we had a few. But but what's your take on the the current playing side of things? Um, I know we had a ten minute discussion on Dan Pivas at Wrexham, which. We agree, we agree to disagree on, but but what what do you think is going wrong? What what what's your thoughts on the running? Uh, right. So in terms of what's going wrong, I mean, yeah, defensively we've been we've been a mess for for God knows how long. Um, it's like I'll tell you something I, I seem to notice every week. It's almost like like every game we play, there's a new formation, there's a new whatever that formation may be, there's a new 11, like there's no consistency and everything just seems to change week in, week out. And that for me is, is extremely worrying because that, what, what that says is that, you know, from a managerial standpoint, there's no confidence in, in a group of 11 players or a formation or a way of playing. You know, it's like the, um, the you know, the game last week against Gunthorpe. You know, we're playing like a like a five two three, and you've got fucking Shaq coming back. Like it was like he was almost playing left back at times. It's like what, what is he thinking? Like what, what is this? And you just can't seem to figure it out and fathom it. And it's just, yeah, it's just. But but this is the problem, and this, and this is what it highlights, and this is why the the most important position in the football club from a playing perspective is the manager of the football club. And um, and we've obviously not had a manager since we sacked Askey in November. We brought in Webb, who has never managed in his life. And now we've replaced him with Mikey Martin, who has managed at Tadcaster Albion. It, I mean, it, it's just absolute. And, 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 and to quote Mike Brown, that after, the, after we sacked Askey, this, this long term was in the best interest of, of the football club. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just laughable, isn't it? Laughable. 
but this is what happens when you don't have a, a you know a manager proper manager you know you, you just and 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 fucking uh web was the same changing every fucking week not knowing what he's doing coming out with shite in his interviews and talking about like i don't need to prove anything blah blah blah, blah. I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, it's just demoralising, isn't it? And, I mean, and, and then you get to the running. And, yeah, I think Ben was saying now, I was having a little look the other day, just the fixtures, because, I mean, obviously you look at where we're at. And then, yeah, I tried to have a look at things, fixtures, and it looks like some of them have got to play each other, which is obviously helpful for us. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to win Monday night. We're at home. We've got to win. You know, and then we've got to go to Chesterfield and we've got to get a point. All home, we, we need to win our own games and we need to go away and get a point. And anytime we don't do that, we, we're just, we, we're, we're putting ourselves at more risk. So, you know, we've got, I think we've got all the shot. We've got some good fixtures and we've got some tough ones. Away, away fucking hell. Notts County, Chesterfield. I mean, you, you, you don't get worse fixtures away from them than that, really. Do you? And we've just played at Wrexham. Uh, home, we've obviously got Aldershot, Barnet, which, isn't it? even though, I mean, we were beat, obviously we went to Barnet and won 5 0. But it's not a great fixture. Um, and then we've got I think that's the point, though, with, with the Barnet one. You know, I look at some of the other fixtures over the season, like winning away at work in 2 0, doing the double over work, and who've had a fantastic season there, having their third off off. You know, yeah, but fucking hell, we, got... could, we could have easily got beat at work. In. Yeah, if they don't hit the post, we get beat that game. Comfortably get beat. We, we were on a look, and sometimes you need a bit of luck, don't get me wrong. But, like, yeah, that one, uh, we were... we were. I, I mean, and, and, and to be fair, you've you got to give credit to players out there because we were down to 10 men. But, yeah, I don't... But I think the point, the point yeah. I'm making is a bit... You know, we, we haven't got young kids in that team, really. You know, you look at... Probably Ollie Dyson's the youngest one in it, well, apart from Whitley... The youngest one in the side, yeah. Ollie Dyson's played over 100 games, you know. It, it, Man, he's one of my favourite players in the squad. <laughs> but Jesus you know, Christ. these players are, are not, they're not, they're not young kids, you know, they, they can they can get results at, at, and they've proved it over the season. It's just, and you know, there is a five point cushion. It's just the, the for me, the turmoil of the whole club at the minute. And my, my concern really is that the knock on effect this has, you know, if these players are worried that they're not going to get paid again or are they thinking about, Moving to the end of their contracts, they're thinking about not being injured. Um, ben, what what about you with the, with the sort of playing side, recent form? Um, I agree with Bill in the fact that it does seem that we mix up formations quite. And I appreciate that's due to injuries and other varying factors, but it, it's hard to tell who's almost settled in a way like we, we seem to you know even things like I, I still have um Ethan Ross over Ryan Whitley in goal personally I, I know he made some unbelievable saves against Scunthorpe and kept us in it but just little things like that that's unsettled as like not having a constant keeper all season necessarily you know we switched up Whitley quite late on um and I, sometimes Hancock that, that's starts injury sometimes prepared, in, that's, yeah that's yeah yeah it's due to injury but I'm just yeah, sort of yeah. Saying, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, but I'm just sort of saying that you know we haven't had that almost settled side all year, and even things like you know Alex Hurst, we thought was going to be a starting winger, now he's not, and then he's suddenly back in again, and it, it injuries really haven't helped us this year, and they've knocked us back a bit on the playing side of things. I still think the players have 
passion, if that's a word we can use, as to, to determine footballing ability. But um, I think I think they still want to do it for the fans. I, I kind of see the reactions of quite a few of them that they do want to make sure they stay up. But come the summer, it won't be surprising if quite a few of them wish to leave. Although we've got quite a few of them on two and a half year contracts, thanks to Glenn Henderson. So uh, we'll uh, see what happens with them. But it, yeah, it just from top to bottom, it's a total mess, isn't it? Like no one knows what they're doing. Like has, has anyone got a clue? Like I'm, I'm surprised us as fans can still work turnstiles because you know how are we meant to watch a football club that don't even know what they're doing top to bottom? Christ. We, it's interesting that I know Paul, Paul's not here tonight, but one thing he said that we were talking after the match the other day that he was saying that, that he'd recently watched back the Boston playoff final and said he thinks that side that played that game is a much better team than the one we've got currently playing for us. And he went through individually and I could sort of get his point. Are you, Jim, what, what do you think of that, that sort of point? There? Because I know that's what Paul would have raised tonight, but he, he feels that the, the team has man for man almost gone backwards since, since the summer. I mean, yeah, I mean, let's not pretend that that, that team didn't have the ASCII factor, which was a, a huge, I think we all come out at the same time that, we all felt pretty uh, pretty blessed to have him in the dugout because he seemed to sort out that team. Um, I, 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 if I'm honest, I, I think when I look at the squad, though, I, don't, I don't know about anybody else, but we, I think we went through at the beginning of the season and we, we identified the good players and we identified the ones where, we, yeah, they're all right if they have a good season. And I think... You know, me and Deborah had a debate because I, I suggested that Dyson had had a, Dyson and Hancock had both had a good start to the season. I think we've started to lose it when, when that form's gone, and that form actually hasn't really lost it till the last few weeks. I think we've been unfortunate. That what happened this season is any of the players that we seem to take a flyer on, all the players that we were excited about beginning of the season or when they came in, sort of disappeared. Like, you know, Ben mentioned Hurst, but like Nathan Thomas is still about. Like, he had like two good games and then we signed him on a permanent deal and disappeared. And there's, there's a few of them. And like, you know, we've never, we haven't seen Maz play like that. The, the team that played against Boston, the majority of it's still here. It's still there. It's just one, we don't have ASCII organising them. And I'm, I'm not going to shy away from that one. But two, they're not, they're, they are not playing to the same level as they were playing before and you know that could that people will say that's because of what's going on elsewhere but I think it started before that if I'm honest I think it started before a lot of that if I'm honest um, it it was always a risk and it was always going to be a risk with some of those coming in and relying on them we've, we seem to be in the second season where you know we've got players like I don't know seem to have a, another reliance on Paddy, that that Paddy McLaughlin, that's a that's been a worry for two seasons. And that's no criticism of Paddy. I think I don't imagine anybody doesn't like him, but you know, being reliant on a player of Paddy, Paddy's age, Paddy's ability is a is a concern. That you know, he shouldn't be start to me, he shouldn't be starting every game and I think he pretty much would be if he was there available and fit. Um, you mentioned the yeah. form there, Jim. I mean, you know, for, for me, what one of the this part of the discussion me and Deborah were having at Wrexham was, I think Dan Piber's form. I know he, he's injured now, but 
it's fallen off a cliff since he signed that two and a half year contract. I don't think he's been the same player. I also think the form of um, we'll bring Debo back in in a minute. Uh, you know, the form when we weren't conceding goals, we had Kurrigan and Sam Sanders at centre half. Now Sanders is, you know, even though we had an injury crisis at, in the defence, has been loaned out to Boston. Mm. You know, I, I think that we've we've got away. And Alex Hurst, like you say, when we were when we were playing well, when we were beating Barnet away 5 0, and I think we backed up with beating Torquay at home as well. Alex Hurst was absolutely on fire there. Now, now he hardly ever plays. It's, it's almost like the players that got us in that position in the first place have either dropped off form or, or just not in favour. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested to see, work out which side of the debate you two were on about Dan Pybus because I think his form has dropped off. Yes, that's what that's the point I was making. That, I think he was good that. at the start of a season, which Debo disagrees with. And I think when he signed his contract, and my point is that there's been no competition for his place. You know, AJ Greaves was the closest to it, and now he's gone out as well. We yeah. haven't had anyone pushing him for that position. I so I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I think, I think Pybus's, I think Pybus's form has uh, dropped, and I think you know, I don't know that there's been talks of Miggles and whatever. What concerns me greater is you can still tell, even when he was in not the form that I think we saw him in, we have seen him in this season, you can still tell when we miss him. <laughs> you know, he, he, he does provide something that the others don't provide. Um, To me. Anyway, Debo... We're going to have to bring Debo in here. I can, hear, I can hear him <laughs> even though he's on mute. Debo, the floor is yours. Oh, cheers, mate. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, I... I I, I just can't. I, I can't fathom it. I've, I've not seen anything of him this year that would suggest anything. Um, it, it, this drop off in farm. It's not a drop off in farm. He's just been doing what he's always done. What what he does well is when when there's an opposition player on throwing line with a back to pitch and they've got ball. He doesn't mind making a tackle then. But apart from that, he just sprays it out and don't want to do tackles. I mean, like I said, I mean, I said this in December, then, and I think. I mean, I, I mean, I don't even go on my Twitter anymore. But apparently, from what I understand, this what my my thoughts on Pybus back then were not well received. Um, well, <laughs> that's fine. Everyone's entitled to the opinion. Um, he's, I mean, he's just absolutely fucking shite. And and this idea that he's some sort of good player for, I must admit, I went. I I think I said in the summer about like in terms of players we were keeping and losing. I felt like. And I'm, I've been proven to be wrong in this, in the sense that, for me, obviously we lost Wright, and Wright's gone to Stockport County, um, and I felt we were better off keeping Kuya, um and John Lewis, and we've obviously lost keeper and we've lost Wright, and really in hindsight shows that losing Wright is, is you know, he he was the one player that we really really needed to keep hold of, um, you know, we brought Pybus in that sort of position and. Um, yeah, he just continues to to prove himself as someone who's just incapable of fucking doing anything. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I completely disagree with this idea that Pybus has, has brought us anything. He's um, there's no drop off. I'm I'm amazed by that. I, if you think Pybus is rubbish, God, I hate to think what you think of somebody who is. Who do you think's our best player then, Debo? It was that best player. I know a lot of people that would, a lot, I would, I think a lot of fans would say Pybus is. Yeah, no, and that's what Pibus that's what fun. concerns me, and I'd want to know why. So who do you think? Like, who do you think? Who do you think yours? Who do, who do you think Pybus? Uh, you you tell me why he's our best player. No, no, I'm not saying he is. 
I'm just saying, I've had a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun. All right, why? Why would he be our best player? I don't know. I think a lot of people think, well, I think a lot of people do think he's got good range of passing. I actually think, I don't know. Maybe we see it in the West. You sit in the West, I know, yeah. I think he's got a reasonable range of passing. As I say, my point wasn't, I don't necessarily think he is. I think no, he's I'd not. He's at, nowhere near. But I'd be interested to know who who you think is our best player. Who's our best player? Well, that, well, that's a that's an odd question given given the form, given what we've done this season. But to justify that, and almost as in, well, if he's not Pybus, who is it? That's hard to answer. But it fucking ain't Pybus. Damn sure ain't Pybus. I mean, it's like, well, where could you go? Like, like. It's a good question. Like, who is? Like, who has actually been consistent? Enough? I mean, I mean, I know, like everyone hates John Lewis, don't they? I mean, he's our top goal scorer. For me, for me, he does a hell of a job. Um, but yeah, I think John. I think John Lewis is a good show. I, I'm with you, Debo. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. He, he gets, thing, he gets a lot is, of stick, but when he doesn't play, you just lose that focal point. Yeah, absolutely. He, he does a great. job. I don't think he'll be with us next season. I, I, I just think he's he's going to move on, but. I think Shaq Ford, but again, you know, he's he struggled with injuries. But I think when he's on his game, I think he. To Ben, you're disagreeing, but I, I think Shaq Ford on 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 certain games, he's he's been he's been fantastic. But I think I think that's the problem with that question this season is you could make a case for on certain games, like Fallafield's been pretty good the last few games. You could make a case there, but it's only basically there's nobody. No, I don't think there's any of them at all. Where you like, you know, how many games are we in now? Forty odd games in, nearly. You know, that are like, yeah, every game they've been doing it. They've been turning up. Yeah, but that, that, that's I just thinking. Ben, go on. Sorry, I'm just saying that's what I just said. Right? Like you can't, like you can't be in this position and and have some sort of stat. You know, mm. or rarely have like some sort of standout player. Like there isn't because it's just consistently the 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 consistency isn't there. But like going on your point on Fallowfield, for example, I mean basically he turned himself to be a pretty poor right back, just like Whittles showed himself to be a pretty poor left back. And we've got Duckworth come back in, who's missed most of the season. Duckworth's done a pretty good job, and Fallowfield's actually done a pretty good job at right wing. And it's <laughs> it's like. You know, you're almost at a bit of a loss, aren't you? As to as to what's sort of going on. Ben, sorry, you were going to make a point before. Do you know? Yeah, no, no, I mean, I pretty much agree with what Jim and Debo have been saying, really. Like, who's, I think it's a question of who's been our best player individually, because there's been several players that have had seven, eight out of ten performances across the season. And then there's other players, but then they let themselves down with a five out of ten performance or below. Um, I think if you just go, consistently, and this is a push on the word consistently, I think you're looking at John Lewis, Ethan Ross maybe. Um, but yeah, I feel like though you, you were talking about Shaq Ford and I just think he did really well against Maidstone and he you know, he got some you know, all right early on, but he reminded me big time almost of Ashley Chambers in his sort of loan season with us. did really well for like that month period. And as soon as that loan was extended and he's kind of shown a few bits, it it went, it's becoming consistent. I think he just shirks away sometimes of Shaq Ford. He's not the player that's going to grab the game and just take it and lead us on to victory almost. He's a player that 
bit of a luxury, I find, in terms of he can be fantastic, but he's not the person who's going to grab the game and just go, you know what, we're going to win this, we're going to push forward, this is what we're doing. Um, I just I, I appreciate he's young and he will be a great striker, but I just think for what we need this season, um, it's a, almost a shame that Danny Rose come in a bit late and a bit unfit so far because um, I think Danny Rose would have been better across this sort of six-month period than Shaq Ford would have been for what we've needed. Yeah, I mean, if Danny Rowe can roll back the years and get his fitness back, he, he could be a really key signing, couldn't he? But, but I agree, the, the first couple of games we've seen of him, he's, he's looked he's looked woefully unfit, hasn't he? I don't know how many games of football he's played in the last couple of years, but he, he looks like he's struggled. And I don't know whether we've, we can afford to play him into fitness with, with the games that we've got. Um, but, you know, we've had a fair fair gap, haven't we, from the Scunthorpe game, so hopefully another week's fit, uh, training in him will, will make a difference. But Debo, sorry, you wanted to make a point on Ford as well, I think. Uh, yeah, it was just... The thing is, I was having a discussion with some lads the other day about Ford, and um, I can absolutely see why, like, I mean, I've seen it myself, where you just think, fucking hell, sometimes he doesn't look arsed, and he looks lazy. And what I would say is, obviously, he's an 18-year-old lad who's on, on loan from Watford, and he's come here to get game time as a centre-forward. And it's like the other day where we're playing this five fucking two three formation, and he's fucking ending up at left back. Like the lad shouldn't be there. The lad should be up front. It should be our number nine. And it's not that it's completely excusable, but because every footballer, no matter who they're at and where they're at, should be given hundred percent. But I just I I do have a little bit of sympathy for him because like when I see him fucking going back there, he's like he shouldn't be anywhere near that. He should be fucking up front. Like that's what he's been brought in, and, and like, and so I have a, I have a little bit of sympathy. I share frustrations because sometimes it feels like he gives up a little bit too easily. But he's he's fucking young. He's eighteen. Um, you know what I mean? When I was eighteen, I was at six, fucking sixth form college, going out three nights a week and whatever. Anyway, that's you have sympathy but, for trying to edit out these f words, Debo. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Like I say, I just think that. He's on loan. He's on loan at us, and he should be there. He should be there to be a number nine, and we're not necessarily always doing that or expecting him, or even starting him. And I just think I can sort of see some frustrations he might have. I I, I agree with that. I'd, I'd love to see him up alongside Roe or John Lewis. Probably John Lewis first of all, the way Roe's come back in the slide. But he, he, like when you look at him, you. you if, when, he, when he's facing when he's facing on, he looks quite good. But when he gets pulled too deep, he's he don't get back up with play quick enough. And, and like I say, that that is a problem he's being played. But I'd, I'd quite like to see him up around. There was there was a few moments against Wrexham where I thought John Lewis had managed to hold it up. There was just nobody around him, and we've seen that a number of times. You know, increasingly better at getting on the front foot rather than just not doing, not knowing where to be. I'd really like just just go four four two and put him, put him up top with, put him up top with one of them and, and get him play him off him and get some of those link up play that we saw with John Lewis at the end of last season. You know, with QER running off him a lot. Cheers, cheers for that, Mike Bassett. Right, well. Um... We'll move forward then, just just to sort of like bring it bring it to a close. Um, I mean, I think one thing that 
the crowd have got a big part to play, haven't they? And I thought they were they were fantastic against Scunthorpe. I thought, you know, obviously went in big numbers to Wrexham, um, you know, chanting all the way through the second half of the other day. Um, I think we've all sort of had the... Well, Ben, you've had your prediction. I think you said that you think we'll stay up. Debo and Jim, just quickly, you, you have the same opinion? Um, it, it, it's hard. To, I mean, it's such a close call, isn't it? I mean, I don't know, like you say, that it, it does look like teams below us have got to play each other a bit and just got to fucking hope that actually that... Uh, sorry, I've just won again. Um, <laughs> you just got to hope that that actually, um, yeah, it works now in our position. If you know if they, if they have got to play each other a bit, then that might help out. I must admit, I looked at the table over there. I was extremely worried. Um, I'd be more. I think I'd be more worried if there was a, another month on top of. Uh, you know what I mean? If it went to the end of May and we had we had more fixtures, I, I feel I feel like the the fixtures are running out for the other teams, and because like Ben says, they've got to play each other. But um, but from our perspective, I don't think how. I mean, home fixture wise, we've we're not last sort of six haven't been a bad running and. Like look like the Altrincham game, for example, that was a that was a terrible defeat. Terrible defeat. Mm. The man of the defeat. It's a terrible so. draw, really. I mean we, we were I Yeah, it'd be a terrible draw. You've got to win your home A better team would have would have um would have taken those chances before half time. And Jim, what what about you? Do you think we'll stay up? Yeah, I think I so I I looked at it and I looked through um me and Ben are in a WhatsApp group where we went to pretty much every um team's running in the game last night and there's a lot of that bottom set all play each other and I think there's there's enough games where I mean we've obviously got to get some results we've got to pick up some points but there's a lot of games where you can see it getting down to right whoever whoever gets a result there will get relegated and if neither of them do well they're both they're both in it I, we are look. I am looking around and going. I mean, I don't know whether anybody else watched the Yeovil game in full last night, but I wouldn't want to be a Yeovil fan. I mean, they were really poor. They had some solace in there might there might be. A, I think there's. I think there's four worse teams than us personally, um, which probably says something more about the standard of the league than than how well we're playing at the minute. So yeah, I'd like to think we can stay up. And, and I think, Jim, if if we finish off with you as well, like. You know, we've got a lot of York fans listening. What's your message to them from a sort of supporters trust perspective, sort of going forward? Obviously, the next few days are going to be critical, aren't they, for the kind of future of the club? What What would your message be to them? Um, well, look, first and foremost, whatever happens outside of off the pitch, we you know, getting points and staying in this league is is the most important thing for the football club. So. Monday night, as I'm sure they will, and, and they always have done, get get behind the team, get behind uh, Mackie and the boys. Um, that is that's absolutely critical. Uh, as far as everything else goes, look, I'll, you know, as always, I'll continue to work as hard as I can, um, can for it. Uh, as Deborah put it, I'm in this position because I, I wanted to be, so um, I'll I'll keep doing what I can. Um, Keep the faith, really. It's not going to be an easy ride, but um, you know, you'll never kill York City, is the old chant, right? So, so that, that proves to be the case. Um, thanks very much, guys, for your time. Um, apologies to people listening who were offended by the F word, and apologies to Mike Brown if he's listening. <laughs> 
Cheers, guys. I appreciate that. And um, obviously, we normally do like a shamble spinner and all that other stuff. But I think probably this this episode probably didn't need that that sort of thing. I think we'll we'll probably do it aim to do an end of season special. Um, and let's hope we're still a national league team at that point, and we're uh, you know the the things off the pitch have sorted themselves out. Okay, so this was on behalf of your Hospital Radio. If you want to, if you enjoy these podcasts and you want to donate to us, we are justgiving.com forward slash your Hospital Radio. Any donation, uh, big or small, really helps the charity. So uh, thanks very much for listening. <laughs>